Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast, the show that brings leading minds to discuss the latest challenges and trends transforming and modernizing the energy systems and the utility industry of the future. And a quick thank you to West Monroe, our sponsor of today's show. Now, let's talk energy. I'm Jason Price, Energy Central podcast host and director with West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. And with me, as always, from Orlando, Florida, is Energy Central producer and community manager, Matt Chester. Matt, our conversation today is going to center around some work being done between the public and private sector to help bring energy programs to rural customers. Can you share some background information about why this area is of importance to the utility sector? Definitely, Jason. So across both residential and commercial sectors, the rural areas of the United States carry with them some unique challenges compared with the rest of the country. According to the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, rural households spend a disproportionate share of their income on energy bills, about 40% more than those in urban environments. On the commercial side, rural businesses would be better able to expand their economic development and increase employment opportunities if they had greater access to clean energy and energy efficiency programs but they don't always have the access, means, or awareness of these opportunities. But by bringing these programs to the rural landscape, utilities and associated stakeholders can really multiply the resulting benefits. Thanks, Matt. Very helpful for setting the stage for today's conversation. And today's guests are going to highlight exactly what you're talking about in the rural commercial sector. Under the Biden-Harris administration, one of the key areas of focus at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, or USDA, has been rural development and doing so in a way that helps to reduce climate pollution, increase energy resilience, and bolster the economic support for our rural communities. As you noted, all of these areas can be bolstered through smart energy policies and investments. And one of the key USDA programs for doing this is the Rural Energy for America program, or REAP. REAP provides guaranteed loan financing and grant funding to agricultural producers and rural small businesses for renewable energy systems or to make energy efficiency improvements. And since the 2018 Farm Bill set the guidelines for the program, more than 2,700 REAP projects have been funded nationwide, which totals an investment of more than $1.5 billion. And in Pennsylvania alone, that has meant about $8.5 million for approximately 66 projects. So to examine this exciting and impactful project, we're going to be joined by the State Director for USDA Rural Development in Pennsylvania, Bob Morgan, a native of Mountaintop, Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. Morgan has proven experience in the investment, insurance, and banking sectors assisting fellow Pennsylvanians in making decisions that impact and improve lives, while also having worked for nearly a decade for Congressman Matthew A. Cartwright working with community leaders on several major economic development initiatives designed to enhance the communities of the northeastern corner of the state. As such, Bob was well positioned to take the lead on this USDA program. Bob Morgan, we're thrilled to welcome you to the podcast today. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here and happy to be a part of the Biden-Harris administration and looking forward to doing great things to increase opportunities for rural Pennsylvania. 
Thank you, Bob. And if it wasn't enough, we're extremely fortunate in that Bob was able to bring with him to this episode a recent recipient of the REAP grant to talk about their experience in upgrading energy systems with these funds. Specifically, Sobel's Market received over $100,000 from a USDA REAP grant. And with this funding, the small business was able to install solar panels on the roof of their family-owned grocery store that has been in business since the 1960s. This project is expected to save nearly $21,000 per year and will replace 350,000 kilowatt hours annually. And not only that, but we've heard that the high quality products and sandwiches offered at Sobel's Market can't be beat anywhere else in the state. And to share more about this, we have with us Greg Sobel, owner of Sobel's Market. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Sobel's Markets has been around actually since 1926 in a little country store, two miles north of the Shrewsbury store where we did this solar array project. Our slogan is that we say that we put the home in homemade. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you with us, Greg. So let's start with the basics. Bob, over to you. Can you give us the elevator pitch of what the REIT program goals are? This program provides guaranteed loan financing and grants to help increase American energy independence by increasing the private sector supply of renewable energy and therefore decreasing the demand for energy through energy efficiency improvement. Over time, these improvements also help lower the cost of energy for small businesses and agricultural producers in rural areas. And what does this process look like? How do businesses apply? What are they applying for specifically? And what are you looking for to identify potential success stories? Well, the first step is for eligible rural small businesses or agricultural producers to contact their state rural development energy coordinator and express their interest in our energy programs. Applications for this program are accepted year round at your local USDA RD office. These applicants will be applying for loan guarantees on loans up to 75% of total eligible project costs, grants for up to 25% of total eligible project costs, or a combined grant and loan guarantee funding up to 75% of total eligible project costs. A success story for this program is a borrower or an awardee saving money in the long term on their operating costs. They'll also reduce their on-grid energy usage and waste, which is better for the environment. At USDA, we really want to see these awards go to rural communities that need them the most and to projects that not only help the individual businesses and agricultural producers, but help their communities as a whole. Greg, I want to turn to you and hear about the process from your end now. How did you first hear about the REAP program and, and what compelled you to apply? I actually learned about the program through the uh, company that we ended up contracting with, BAI Group out of State College, Pennsylvania. They had actually did a project for a another independent supermarket owner that I know and uh, kind of learned about the solar arrays from uh, that store owner. And uh, he kind of put me in connection with the person he worked with there. And, you know, we started looking into it at that point. And obviously, when you get the cost numbers, that kind of, you know, knocks you out of your chair if you're sitting in it. But then, you know, he said, well, probably we can apply for a 
grant. I don't know if he actually called it a REAP grant at that point, but just said there's grant money out there that we would probably have a good chance of getting for the size project you're looking at. And, you know, went through the, the whole process with them and bidding out the uh, project. And, you know, at this point, we're very happy that we did it. Great. Sticking with you, Greg, tell us more about, you know, how did it play out for you? What did you end up doing with the grant? And, and were there any hurdles to get from application to ultimate installation? Well, obviously, the grant basically covered 25% of the project. We didn't pursue loan guarantees. We financed it otherwise. But obviously, the grant was a huge incentive due to the uh, capital outlay. And, you know, one of the things we're faced with in our business is supermarkets are usually high volume, but we operate on pennies or profit margin at the end of the day. So when you make a huge commitment to spend a lot of money, you need to basically either be investing in something that's going to grow your business, grow your sales, and hopefully contribute to the bottom line. Or the other side of it is to remain competitive in this business, you have to look for ways to reduce your cost of doing business. So electricity and energy is a huge expense for our business. You know, a lot of times people just think, well, you know, they've, they've you know, got lights or whatever, but all the refrigeration in a supermarket is our biggest energy user. All the uh, big horsepower compressors and stuff that uh, we operate to keep the product, you know, at, at safe temperatures or frozen products frozen comes at a huge cost. So, you know, one of the things that we're always weighing, though, is where's the best place to spend your money to make you better? And, you know, obviously the REAP grant took a huge chunk of the cost out of that and made it palatable to do. Bob, over to you, you know, given your position at the USDA, tell us a bit more about the types of grant recipients you've overseen. Do they look and tend to be similar or are the grants going to a wide and varied collection of business project types? Well, our recipients cover a wide spectrum of rural businesses from family farms and rural small businesses of all types. Most of the projects are ground-mounted or roof-mounted solar arrays. But with the ground mounted, generally speaking, we, we want to make sure that we can raise that above the ground because the farmer can't afford to give away a field for the purposes of hosting the, the solar array. So oftentimes you'll find animals underneath, grazing underneath those solar panels because you just have to be able to do that to be, able to be as efficient as possible. However, funds may be used for all other types of renewable energy systems, such as biomass, for example, biodiesel, ethanol, anaerobic digesters, and solid fuels, geothermal for electric generation or direct use, hydropower projects for below 30 megawatts, uh, so a rather small hydropower generation system, a hydrogen, small and large wind generation, small and large solar generation, ocean-related, although that really doesn't impact us too much in Pennsylvania. But funds may also be used for the purchase, installation, and construction of energy efficiency improvements such as high-efficiency heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems, insulation to make the building use more efficient, lighting, so that may include LED lighting, things of that nature, updated cooling and refrigeration units, new doors and windows, and electric, solar, and gravity pumps for uh, sprinkler pivots. So it's a program with a pretty broad use. 
Yeah. And staying with you, Bob, as you know, the Energy Central audience largely comes from the utility industry, and many utilities likewise deal with trying to help sometimes hard-to-reach communities, particularly in the rural areas. So what have you learned about the best ways to engage with rural communities with these types of energy programs? Well, not only reaching people with our energy programs, but with all our programs. I mean, we're always learning. We're always looking for creative ways to communicate our message to our client base. We use social media. We use press releases, op-eds, personal outreach through community leadership. We also try to personalize our stories to make them more relatable and understandable. Because oftentimes when you, you speak in uh, the language that bureaucrats use, it's a little difficult to understand. And, and so we try to make it a little bit more understandable and community-oriented. Greg, I'm curious to hear from you regarding your relationship with your local utility. Was energy efficiency or clean energy something you had previously considered for business with your utility? What was the relationship like? And, and how did this process of working with the USDA on these upgrades change the relationship in any way? Well, let me first start off with your question on working with the utility. There was a certain amount of paperwork that had to be submitted to the utility, but Honestly, that was pretty much handled by BAI Group, which I know when I mentioned their name before, one of their big parts is to, you know, sell a solar system. But one of the big selling points is for them is to go out and then assist somebody with, you know, going after a REAP grant or grant money that's out there. So can't say that I worked with them directly, but I mean, over the years, you know, we have done various things to lower our energy costs. For example, when I talked about all our refrigeration years ago, we went into computer managed rack systems, which was a change years ago. You had a compressor that ran this 24 foot of meat case and another compressor that ran the couple produce cases. And on a rack system, everything's tied together. And we might have five compressors on a rack, but based on the energy required, the computer may only allow two of the smaller compressors to run. And then if it needs a third one, it'll turn a third one on. It might turn a big one on and turn one small one off to always you know, manage the energy as wisely as possible. For years, we've had off the refrigeration system heat reclaim, which takes the hot gas and actually runs it through basically a hot water heater to heat a lot of our hot water. And also in the wintertime, it provides an awful lot of our actual heat to heat the store. So a lot of times we can heat our store for free with the heat reclaim. However, then in the summertime, it goes the other way because with the air conditioning, that's using electricity. So our electricity bills are definitely the highest in the summer months. On the second part of your question there, working with the USDA or whatever, you know, there again, BAI Group handled a lot of that, but obviously we had to get involved in filling out, I'll say, an awful lot of paperwork. Obviously, with getting a $100,000 grant, I can fill out a lot of paperwork for that kind of a grant. And it's the type of thing that since you don't do it every day, you know, you need just need to compile a lot of information. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I lived through it. You know, the people were great to work with, and if you didn't have something filled out right, you know, they would help you get it filled out properly. Uh, not trying to beat up on government, but we all know with government, there's always a lot of 
red tape and you know you just jump through all the hoops that they have and we successfully successfully managed to do that so definitely can't say anything bad but it's just not a sign a paper and say you want to do it it's a done deal there is a certain amount of paperwork involved yeah that's understandable it was a good outcome in the end someday the the government will have all those that paperwork digitized hopefully so it might speed things up. But you know, Bob, back to you from the USDA perspective, is there any interaction with the recipients utility companies? Do you find yourself involved with interacting with the utilities? Well, we do on occasion talk about uh, the projects with utility companies. You know, in some cases, some of our projects actually do have excess generation, and so they, they're able to sell back into the grid. And so that's part of the discussion with the utility company. But I think that it we're all looking, you know, utility companies, the federal government, we're all looking for ways to reducing, you know, the carbon footprint and, and the generation cost of electricity in communities in Pennsylvania and, and throughout the country. So I think that this is a, an opportunity for partnership with the utility companies. This is terrific. No doubt that the perspective of the rural community is incredibly important. And I believe that we've had a number of co-ops on our show talking to leaders of co electric cooperatives. And I believe that the status somewhere around 30% of all energy is provided to the rural communities. So that's nearly 100 million people rely on local cooperatives and other sorts of rural solutions. So it's a very important part of our nation's fabric to make sure that we address this part of the um, population as we, as we transform our energy system here. So thank you immensely to both of you for this insight. But before we let you go, we do have something called the lightning round where we throw a few questions at you, but it's meant to learn a little bit more about you and not so much you as the professional, but you as the person. So we would like to give you the questions and keep the answers to one response or phrase. Bob, we'll start with you. What time of day are you most productive? I think morning, but I rebel against it. So, What about you, Greg? I would have to say the same thing, morning. Fantastic. Bob, saying, go back to you. What's your guilty pleasure? Uh, chocolate, but I'd also say Sobble's Donuts as well. So, <laughs> Greg, to you. I don't know if I'd call it a guilty pleasure, but my big pleasure and enjoyment is riding motorcycle. Yeah. All right, stay with you, Bob. If you won the lottery, what's your first frivolous purchase? Oh, a vacation home at the beach. Greg? I would probably have to say a Corvette. Okay. Back to Bob. What's the best way to spend a Sunday afternoon? Watching Steelers football. Greg? I'm going to stay with automobiles, watching NASCAR races. Okay. And then, Bob, what are you most passionate about? Well, actually, I'm most passionate about creating opportunities in the communities of Pennsylvania. I think that we have only so much time in our life and we should look for the opportunity to make things better for all of those around us. And Greg? How as I already said, I'm very passionate about riding motorcycle, but I am also very passionate about the supermarket business. We serve a lot of people in the community that have been multi-generation shoppers with our family and we provide employment for Close to 350 employees, and I'm just passionate about doing a good job for our staff and our customers. And part of the solar project and stuff is to be green-minded and 
also look out for the environment. Very nice. You know, Greg, why don't we take a moment and share with us, if any of our listeners are passing through Pennsylvania, share with us one more time where they can find a Sawmills Market. We actually have four locations. The first original store at this point is in Shrewsbury, Pennsylvania, which is like four miles north of the Mason-Dixon line. Then our second store is about five miles east of there in Stewartstown, Pennsylvania. And then our third store is actually really sitting out in the rural area of cornfields with a Wafer, Maryland address, which we are in Maryland by a quarter of a mile, which we did also do a solar array on that location. And then our most recent store is actually on the east side of York, Pennsylvania on Market Street. Very so nice. we have four stores. Fantastic. All right, before we let you go, we want to give you the final word. So uh, let's start with Greg. What advice would you give for businesses like yours who are thinking of applying? Is there anything you wish uh, you better understood before getting involved? And what are some, say, tricks of the trade or words of wisdom to share with your fellow peers? I just think that, you know, with energy prices probably are not going to come down. They're only going to continue to go up. That, you know, I think that, you know, the, the time is here now to really take a look at solar energy or alternative forms of generating power. You know, I know years ago when it first came out, it was super, super expensive. But as we all know, as things get developed, it gets better and usually gets less expensive. So, you know, I think that, you know, you just shouldn't say, well, you know, that's not for us. I think at least they, you know, should explore what possibilities may exist and take a pretty deep look into it. And then, you know, it's always comes back to a business decision of what's right for one person might not be right for the other. But I think they at least owe it to themselves to take a look. Well stated. The last word of the episode is yours. So what message would you like to share with those listening today if they could only take away one thing? If you have an idea for an energy efficiency project in rural Pennsylvania, reach out to us. We'd love to help make that a reality. Nice. All right. Well, this is once again a really informative and eye-opening conversation. Thanks to both of you for your insight, and we look forward to you and our community members keeping these important conversations going at EnergyCentral.com. But for now, thank you for joining us today. You can always reach Bob and Greg through the Energy Central platform, where they welcome your questions and comments, particularly in the comments section to this podcast episode. We also want to give a shout out of thanks to the podcast sponsors that made today's episode possible. Thanks to West Monroe. West Monroe works with the nation's largest electric, gas, and water utilities in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. West Monroe brings a multidisciplinary team that blends utility, operations, and technology expertise to address modernizing aging infrastructure, advisory on transportation electrification, ADMS deployments, data and analytics, and cybersecurity. Once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. And we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast.